Welcome everyone to the third episode of the Transcript podcast. I'm Scott Krisloff. I am the editor of the Transcript and with me as as always is Eric Mokaya, who's our lead author. We sent out a new version of the newsletter yesterday and we're going to go through that and pull out top quotes and themes and discuss those a little bit. So starting off in the macro section, we covered the fact that obviously a new president was inaugurated last week, the Biden administration coming in calling for more stimulus, and that the economy is still really performing pretty well. Even industries that have been hard hit have, have performed quite a bit better than people were expecting. We pulled out a quote from Comerica where they were talking about that. I think the only new thought in that section was at the end, which I, I put in that if you have all of this stimulus and you have continued high activity, is that going to lead to inflation or higher inflation than expected? And pulled out a few quotes really in transportation affected industries. So Fastenal talking about shipping costs going up, JB Hunt, which is a trucking company, talking about the costs on their network going up as well. And then Halliburton talking about how oil prices are back to uh, pre-pandemic levels. And so when you when you take those three things, it's it's an indicator that there is some inflation. I think delivery transportation networks are the tightest capacity piece of the economy right now. And so that's where you would expect to see inflation. I, I wanted to touch on this specifically because we're certainly not calling for inflation to happen, but you know, this is a question that starts to come into the perspective at this point in the economic cycle. And there are some signs of it. So I think it's really just be on the lookout for it. Any thoughts on that, Eric? Definitely. I think uh, there are a couple of indications that uh, some companies are going to pass some of the costs, especially the shipping costs to the consumer soon. And so I think we need to watch out for that. I think it was quite clear, I think from JB Hunt, especially that they want to increase core pricing to reflect the current costs to serve the markets. So I think uh, that also coupled with the fact that uh, a lot of the kind of like banks, Bank of America, Comerica say that December remains strong for them in terms of sales and purchases, payments from payments, I think at Bank of America hitting a high of $304 billion and 8% year over year, uh, driving record volume spending over the holidays. I think uh, the bank was very kind of bullish on that. And I think also Morgan Stanley and Bank of America, both of them said also uh, something as we picked in the macro section is about the increasingly optimistic based on the vaccines that are being rolled out. But I think I would add to that also that we found a little bit of an asterisk about that because of the issue of the new variant of the virus that is out there. We picked up a quote by the UK health secretary who said that if we vaccinated the population and you got a new variant, variant that evaded the vaccine, then you're back to square one. So I think that that's something that you can see that is increasingly worrying not the leadership around us. So uh, it's something that we need to keep an eye on and hopefully we don't develop as another variant like the UK variant that is more, that is more contagious, that transmits a little bit faster. What do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it's an idea that is powerful enough to sh- send shivers down all of our spines because, you know, we're, we feel like we're so close to the end of this pandemic with the vaccines rolling out. And yeah, to have the chance that this could mutate in a way that doesn't hit the vaccines, could potentially have higher mortality, 
higher transmission rates. I mean, these are all really scary thoughts. I think my perspective is I would expect them to stay scary thoughts rather than reality for now, because this is just the type of psychological trick that often happens, but still a scary thought. And it's something that definitely could happen. I think a key quote that you pulled out, Eric, around that section is the fact that Moderno's CEO was saying that we expect that this virus is going to stay with us forever. So, you know, if this is a virus kind of like an influenza thing that's just seasonal and sticks around, it's a, it's a scary thing for the economy. But, you know, I think these mRNA vaccines that are being developed are potentially like a, a huge weapon against mutations in the future too. So, you know, this, it could extend to influenza, it could extend to, to COVID. I think if we can get, you know, manufacturing of these down and that includes the design and development, then hopefully these sorts of pandemics, these sorts of infectious diseases will be a thing of the past. I think Moderna said this morning, I think that they, their, their vaccine appears to protect against the recent virus strains and that it will also develop a booster in South Africa. So I think that's, I, hopefully then that would keep us positive for the rest of the year. I think from what you read in most of the transcripts, a lot depends on this vaccine distribution and its effectiveness. And then for people to get back to normal, to be confident enough to resume things as they were before the pandemic hit. Something else that we picked is something about less, the odds favoring less market activity in 2021. That's that was a bit striking given that the year started pretty strong, given the margin balances that we saw at Interactive Brokers up 26% year over year. People are trading more, people are taking more risks. And I think uh, it's a risk on situation. I think something else you noticed this week, I think game is not stopping kind of. Yeah. What do you think about that? I, I mean, I was thinking about this this morning. This is just a really crazy situation where I think pretty much everybody universally recognizes that we are in some sort of bubble, monetary fueled you know, capital markets spiral. And I would say everybody universally accepts that with the exception of the Federal Reserve, which is the only entity that matters whether they accept it or not. So I, you know, the Fed, I assume the policymakers have a public face and a private face. I have no idea what they're talking about behind closed doors, but for them to think that there isn't like growing systemic risk from having explosive valuations that are not at all supported by cash flows seems a little bit insane to me. And the kind of companies that are also shooting up, kind of the old school companies, it's BlackBerry now, I think was 28% <laughs> this morning. And I think uh, GameStop has doubled today alone. So it's it's I mean, an insane, it's insane valuation. So you, and then I think as interactive broker CEO said, the CFO said that people had put people are more comfortable now putting more money into the market and taking on more leverage, which is leading to clients trading levels increasing. I mean, it's a it's an insane market, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, this is just classic like late stage um, economic cycle, like extreme late stage. And we've decided, you know, in the 21st century, we're just going to take every financial cycle to the extreme. And that's what we're doing again here. I, I think it's an interesting historical note that the dot-com bubble in the late 90s was actually born out of the response to the Asian financial crisis, which mm -hmm. didn't really hit the US that hard. But the economy was already starting to slow a little bit. 
And then there was the Asian financial crisis. The Fed came in, pumped a bunch of liquidity in the system in order to counteract that. And that's like kind of what caused markets to take off on the dot-com bubble. You know, same sort of thing here. Coronavirus, definitely an effect on the economy, no question. But when you pour stimulus, you know, five times what's needed, you can push, you know, new bubbles. So... And more um, is coming, by the way. More stimulus is coming. I think 1.5 trillion in terms of tri- stimulus again. So, yeah. and I think from what I've been observing, the deposits of banks are increasing because of people are taking a lot of the money and putting it away a little bit, and a lot of it also is flowing to the trading desks also. So, mom and pop traders are putting all the money. I saw a lot of people. I saw someone who put their entire savings on. On, on a stock on Bitcoin and they lost it and they lost their family in the process also. So it's scary yeah. times. <laughs> I feel that I should make the disclaimer here that this is not at all a yeah. <laughs> um, an endorsement of shorting the market or you know saying that like value is going to take over in the end. It's very possible that hyperinflation takes over instead and like all of these prices look totally reasonable in the future. Or you know growth growth creates you know justification for these prices but right now sitting where we are it's pretty crazy i think you know go back to that fed idea and federal government idea ultimately they decide how long the party goes on and you know as long as the fed is saying we're going to stimulate you know easy monetary policy through the end of the year it's going to stay that way along those lines i thought two quotes were interesting that we pulled out from the yellen confirmation hearings where she, when she was talking about the need for going big with stimulus, she talks about having an appreciation for the country's debt burden. And then she also, at a later point in the confirmation hearings, talked about wanting to end the destructive global race to the bottom on corporate taxation. And so both of these things are pretty hawkish from a like, financial market standpoint. But for now, at least, the administration is, is prioritizing boosting the economy, which again, it's this K-shape. That's the reason that we need the stimulus is that there's all these companies and individuals who are lagging because they were most hard hard hit, but the government is just coming with this really blunt tool that's affecting everything. And the headline economy is booming. I don't, I don't see, at, at least for capital markets, let's put it that way, is absolutely booming. So- yeah, speaking of capital markets, I think one of the other things that a lot of the banks have also benefited from is the SPACs. You can call it the SPAC attack, kind of. It's last year alone, I think the average size of a SPAC was around 335 million, which is, I picked some statistics here that says it's 10 times the amount that was raised in the 2009 financial crisis. And I think the Goldman Sachs uh, CEO was very clear that that's one of the things they're watching very, very closely because it's a bit of a risk. I think they, they, I think he suggested that this is a good innovation, but innovation when pushed too far always ends up to the extreme where it creates problems. And I think he is a bit, uh, is not, he is a bit bearish on sparks for this 2021. What do you, what would you say about that? So, I mean, I'm normally pretty sober when it comes to financial markets. I should probably recuse myself from this conversation, though, because there is a greater than 50% chance that I'm going to be involved with the SPAC in some way going forward in some of my outside the transcript work. I'll say that it's a really interesting innovation with respect to the influencer economy that's happening in every other industry. 
where you have these Kardashians or, you know, people with just a lot of fame and attention, you know, creating products and selling those products to their followers. And the SPAC is a disintermediation of the investment bank in a lot of ways. And it's a disintermediation where the gains are accruing or the value is accruing to people with large public notoriety. I yeah, I've, I've noticed that that it's the sponsors. Uh, I think the incentives are on the sponsors and the incentives of somebody that is selling. Those are the key aspects of this deal. You've got to trust them to put money with them. I think from what I saw is Sparks have around, I think, $82 billion to deploy. I think uh, they've raised that, but they are looking for. So there are lots of money looking for deals right now. So that's another thing that I was able to pick up. So I think something else that that came along is uh, telehealth also. Telehealth has a bit slowed down. I think this was expected because I think the high volume of people who chose to see the doctors online in April, May last year was a bit, a bit too high to sustain over the long period of uh, time. So I think now it's sort of coming down, but I think the United Healthcare CEO is pretty bullish about it, saying that the trend itself is here to stay, although it's decelerated a little bit. Any thoughts on that? I thought it was interesting. I think, you know, the public companies, it's interesting implications for Teladoc, that and the comment that people want to stick with their providers of choice. I think that there's question marks around whether you can really aggregate a portal for telehealth or not. I think ultimately the answer will be that yes, you can aggregate a portal, but there's a lot of competition in video chatting basically. And I'm not, not, not sure that, you know, telehealth is really much more than a video chat. So, and I don't think COVID has proven that it is any different than a video chat. So you don't think in future you're able to call your, your doctor on video and do everything that you needed to do in person that yeah. can replace it. Oh, you see, you feel like the personal touch is still very important at the end of the day. Any other quotes that you may have picked up? Yeah. One actually that you picked up that I just wanted to go back to on the whole financial market euphoria stuff. The Bitcoin stuff is always just still really interesting. The fact that Yellen said directly that, you know, cryptocurrencies are a concern suggests that there's potential regulation coming into into cryptocurrency markets from the US. But I actually thought the interesting quote you picked up was, I don't even know what FRMO is. They are a company that actually has pivoted to Bitcoin. So a substantial amount of their holdings is now in uh, Bitcoin. Got it. Got it. The reason that quote stuck out to me is because they were talking, they were comparing the amount of assets, like financial assets that there are traded, which is 82 trillion to 597 billion in Bitcoin. And I I just picked up on that because I felt like it's such a fallacy of logic because Bitcoin, if you accept that it is a currency, it does, it shouldn't like all economic value should not accrue to the currency itself. Like if, if equity and debt instruments are going to be traded in Bitcoin, that's a different story, but those are different securities than the Bitcoin itself. So like comparing the market cap of Bitcoin to the, the market value of a company is just such a logical fallacy and really is just encompassing of the type of logic that's going into pricing assets in this market today, which is so crazy. But again, disclaimer, this is not an endorsement of shorting this market because like 
you know, it, you, you play the market you've got, not the one you want. So FRMO, you know? <laughs> YOLO. YOLO perhaps is the most more interesting or more pertinent acronym. Yeah, the previous week, I think also the ECB president said uh, that Bitcoin is a very highly speculative asset. So I think there is a, there's a bit concern, of concern from the regulators about uh, the cryptocurrency markets and all. So we'll keep an eye on that also. So I think on that, I think we can end this week. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on the Transcript podcast. We hope to see you again next week uh, where we have more content. Don't forget to leave us a review also and also drop us an email at admin at the weeklytranscript.com so that we can get your questions, your comments, so that we can also include them in, the, in our discussions. Thank you for this week. Thank you.